Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Introverted Speechy. Today I wanted to discuss some of my experiences regarding supervisor feedback during the different clinical placements that I had. To start off with, it's important to note how being an introvert can affect the type of feedback you receive. Now, this may vary depending on the setting you are in and the type of supervisor or supervisors that you may have. In my experience, I had a mix of both very positive and some slightly negative experiences regarding feedback. To start off with, I was put into a position where a supervisor, instead of discussing the positives that were observed within a session, and this was one of the very first sessions that I had as a new graduate student SLP, instead of mentioning positives, this supervisor instead ended up comparing me with another student, one who already had experience within the clinical setting. And the way the way that it was brought about, the way that it was discussed, I feel could have been approached in a different way. So, for example, this supervisor went straight into talking about maybe the pediatric setting was not for me. Maybe I'm someone that does not enjoy working with kids. Just immediately making a lot of assumptions based on just a few minutes within a very first session within the clinic placement. And what ended up happening was that this supervisor kept talking about everything that this more experienced student did. At the same time, the supervisor made note of the other more experienced student was doing. However, it felt like it could have been approached in a different way because the supervisor would constantly list on all the high points on what the other student did, but not once was I given any sort of positive feedback. And of course, having that initial experience was very hard for me to hear but of course I did my best to remain professional and excuse me I did my best to remain professional and thank the supervisor 
for their time and giving me this sort of feedback and that I would take it into account for the following sessions. However, the thing with this type of approach that I feel needs to be acknowledged is clearly while I fall under the introvert category, the student that I was paired up with was very highly extroverted. And so if you take that into consideration, the supervisor could have at least said something along the lines of being cognizant about these personality differences and giving suggestions such as, oh, this is your first session, I understand if you're a bit unclear on what to do or need some time to really warm up to the patients and vice versa, rather than quickly assuming, oh, she probably doesn't enjoy working with kids, which it's a bit ironic considering I'd actually been working with the peds population prior to going into grad school, but that is a different story. So that started off on a bit of a low point, and eventually I did improve on the feedback that was given to me towards the end of that first clinical placement, the supervisor mentioned that I had improved and I had shown growth in following a child's lead and seeming more comfortable and so forth. On the other hand, I had a very positive experience in my first off-campus clinical placement. And the reason that the feedback I was given there was much more favorable is that this particular supervisor was much more cognizant about my personality type. They knew how to scaffold in the type of feedback and instruction that was given to me throughout my placement there, starting off with making sure they were nearby and first modeling different therapy techniques, how to administer certain evaluations, and then from there slowly tapering off as they started to see that I was more comfortable with doing treatments and evaluations with more independence, as well as making sure to give encouragement. And what I liked about this particular placement is if any of you have heard the saying to make sure to start off with giving at least one positive sort of feedback to the patients that you treat, the supervisor always made sure to do the same thing for their um, graduate students that they were supervising. So this mentor, this supervisor, excuse me, would always make sure to give positives on what they observed throughout the sessions that I was conducting on my own eventually. And after that, I was at another clinical setting 
and it was a mix of both. Sometimes the supervisor and I needed a bit more discussion so that we could kind of see eye to eye. And one thing that struck out to me a lot during this particular placement is that my supervisor and I had a bit of a long, a longer talk, and they specifically brought up my introverted personality during one of our downtimes to discuss on how I was doing, and there. There wasn't anything wrong per se on how it was brought up. Everything that the supervisor said made a lot of sense of putting on a different hat and really showing your best self so that you can you are a representative of the clinic essentially. Um, just on a side note, the way that some of it was worded could have been. Adjusted in that it kind of felt like they were saying the introverted nature or how an introvert may do therapy may not be as conducive as a more lively and energetic and extroverted clinician and. I feel that's a bit of a misconception I have heard, and I have seen both in where you can be more laid back and calm for certain clients. So it really just depends. But what is important to note is that when you are receiving all of this feedback from your clinical supervisor, to always take it with a grain of salt and remember that for the most part. Most supervisors are there to help you, and they want to give you feedback that they think is important for you to improve in your different clinical skills. However, if there's something that you disagree with, make sure to bring it up in a very professional and polite manner. If you need to ask for clarification, if you're not sure what a certain comment meant. And how you can work on that more, make sure to get that clarification from them. Or else, if you start to have miscommunication, as you know, <clears throat> excuse me, then it can it can lead to a lot of stress towards the later half of your clinical placement or continuing on with a certain setting if you and your supervisor are not on the same page on what. You are doing well, and what you need to improve on. Now, for my final off-campus clinical placement, the feedback that I received did have positives, and also some feedback that could have also been given in a different manner, and something that could have been done. Differently, but personally, as a student, I felt that I didn't feel as comfortable trying to clarify certain things, or more so, I did not want to comment on certain feedback that this particular supervisor gave, on the off chance that they would think I was being what is the right word, perhaps insubordinate.
word in it or disrespectful in a sense, but this particular supervisor had a very specific way of doing things. And I definitely could have spoken up a bit more on some things. I did find in the placement, I definitely learned. It was a very fast-paced experience, having to learn about all the different um, protocols in working in this certain setting and all the different um, hierarchy and the politics involved in the setting and so forth. And so you can kind of guess at what setting I am talking about. So that's just kind of a brief blurb on my experience throughout my different placements. So I had one on-campus clinic placement, two, two clinical placements off-campus, and one school setting placement, of course, part of the off-campus placement. So in total, I had four different clinical placements. And so while I move away from talking about the overall arching experience that I had with different supervisors and the feedback they gave and how my introversion played a part in the type of feedback I received to some extent. I, excuse me, I would like to also discuss examples of feedback that I have, specific feedback that I've been given that I have found to be very helpful to incorporate into my different therapy sessions and whenever I'm doing evaluations or even doing documentation and reports. So that'll be what I'll be discussing next. Some of the different feedback I received from all my different supervisors that I found to be helpful include a reminder to make sure that I am following the child's lead within the session. So for example, I had one kiddo who was just slightly under two years old and He was very easily distracted. He liked to run around in the small therapy room that we had and run to the windows and just sit there and tap at the windows. Or if the box of different toys was near him and he saw it, he would just quickly run over and try to dig in there and pull whatever he could get out of there. So following had to learn how to follow his lead and eventually I found that the therapy session was much more successful that way rather than me trying to stick to a very strict um, schedule or routine that oh we must do this activity first rather than oh I can see he's really interested in the farm animals over there maybe we can start with that Because essentially, as long as you know how to target the client's specific goals, then you could still start with a different activity if you see that, oh, they have a lot of 
they're paying much more attention to this toy over here than the one I wanted to start with. So you, it's very beneficial to follow the child's lead. And that's also a tip we give to parents when we're doing therapy with them within the room to make sure that, oh, make sure you follow your child's interest in whatever activity or toy they're currently playing with. Make sure to be more animated with it. Another helpful tip is instead of constantly asking a question, especially to the younger kids that we are treating, say that a kid is, again, we can stick with the farm animal toys example. If they're playing with the farm animals and they're making the little cow run around and we might be inclined to ask a question say oh what's that what's that what's that if you keep saying that and if they don't even know how to label the animal yet you're not really doing a lot of good there because they don't have they haven't had a model yet or a model in the sense that they haven't had a direct example given to them on the toy that they're holding has a name and that the one they're making run around it is called a cow but if they don't know that yet and you're just saying what's that what's that it doesn't do them much good you want to be able to know that they can identify certain items first as part of what I had mentioned in the previous episode, those basic concepts. So things such as animals in this case. They may, typically they might start off by just being familiar with the animal sounds. So you can start by imitating. Instead of saying, what's that? You can just imitate the animal sound, run around with them, go moo, 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 moo. And eventually, oh, that's right. Moo, moo, moo. The cow goes moo moo cow so that way they can relate the animal sound to the name of the animal that they're playing with and so on another tip that supervisors have given is to make sure to give some pause time or to kind of wait and pause and the reason for this is you want to be able to give time to the patient to process whatever it is that you have said. If, for example, you are too quick with jumping in, if you say, what's that? And then you don't pause and give them time to answer. And instead you say, what's that? Is that a blah, blah, blah? Is that a cow? Is that a pig? Then that can lead to some confusion. There's too much information coming at them at once. You want to give it some wait time. Um, other feedback, another important tip that I found to be really helpful is when one supervisor said, when you are in your therapy session, you need to be able to be the most interesting thing in the room. And what my supervisor meant by that is if, say, a child is getting way too distracted with a toy and they're not attending to what you want them to do you need to be able to 
redirect them. And that can take the shape of many different, you can do this in different ways. So you have to make sure that you're the most interesting thing and they're even more so than the toy that they're distracted with. You, whether that means really showing a lot more animation, whether that means discreetly and gradually moving the toy away or hide, having to hide it and then getting their attention by like, oh, look at me, I'm the one that you should be excited about because I'm doing this, doing a lot of sounds, clapping, giving the child high praise, or turning a routine into a song, quick made-up song, anything that will get their attention and redirect them back to you. So that's one that really stuck with me, is being the most important thing within the therapy room so that you can get the patient to attend to what you're expecting them to do. Let's see, another tip is towards the end of your therapy session, make sure you have a few minutes before you're expected to dismiss your patient. If this is a case where you have the parent or caregiver in the therapy room with you and they're watching, make sure you give enough time to show the parent the technique that you are working on and explaining what it is that you are doing and why you are targeting this. How is this going to help their child? So in my case, it was about five minutes before we're expected to dismiss the patient. So for example, let's again just stick with the farm animals. But let's say this particular child is working on bilabials. For example, say they're having a bit of trouble forming the pup. So what you want to do is within the session, you're holding up, say, the pig next to your mouth and explaining to the parent, okay, so I'm going to hold this toy pig up near my mouth. And the reason that I'm doing this is I want the child to look at my mouth and it helps with attending so they can focus on what I'm holding here. So I'm gonna hold this pig toy near my mouth and while I'm doing that, I'm going to give them a little visual cue or in this case, just to show them like how do you form that puh sound. So typically some people like to just slightly tap on their bottom lip and move it outwards and go and you're showing them that that puh is what we consider a popping sound in another word. So showing the parent that placement cue and having them model it for their child too a couple times. Good. Oh, that didn't sound like a puh. Let's close those lips. Ready? Puh. Okay, so really emphasizing that to the parent on why it's important to show them the placement of that particular sound. So that's just one very quick way of explaining what you're doing in your therapy session to the parent, having them model it so that when they go home, they can also work on it with their child. And just to end off on one last note, to kind of piggyback off of that, 
when you're showing a parent a new technique or explaining to them why you are targeting something, it's also recommended that you tell them um, a lot may be just five minutes within your day, whether it's at the beginning of the day or towards the end, maybe during snack time or a certain playtime that you have for your child. And the reason we say around five minutes, but this can um, vary depending the setting you're in or what your supervisor says and so forth, but typically we say five minutes starting off is we don't want the child to get too fatigued or we don't want them to be too overworked because the thing with introducing these different therapy strategies is it's most of the time very new to them. It's a change in their routine where a lot of times we're asking these young kids to start slowly get used to more structure in their day which may or may not be there already and so there is expected to be a lot of pushback initially and they may not understand right away oh why do I have to do this why do I have to try to practice my puss on when before I was maybe just pulling on mommy's arm or just whining or nudging to get what I want rather than using my words or producing those specific sounds so that is the reason we typically say to start off with about five minutes for a certain technique that we're introducing to the parents and there's a lot of other possible tips that can be given from your supervisor but these are some of the very I guess you could say building blocks to start off with as a new SLP student and as a clinician to remember as you continue on. And so I hope you found this helpful. Thank you for listening. I know starting off it may be hard to remember everything, but really as you get more practice and as your supervisors start to expect more of you to start doing that very important parent counseling piece within your therapy sessions you'll start to remember these things almost like their second nature all right and that was the end of episode five and we'll see you guys next time so thanks for listening